Welcome to Where We Land, a podcast that explores the relationship between Christ culture and the church. Hey, welcome to the podcast. My name is Aaron, and I'm joined here in the Where We Land studio day with my co-host, Stephen. Hello, everyone. And Laura. Hey, guys. Hey, we're so glad that you have joined us today as we are considering calling and assignment. So we hope you'll join us for the full discussion ahead. Welcome back to another episode, and we're so glad that you've joined us here for Where We Land. We are so humbled and grateful that you have taken the time to invest with us once a week. And uh, we're so grateful for those of you that have joined us, who have uh, entered into the discussion, for those of you who have sent questions to the podcast uh, and have interacted with us on social media. And I tell you what, that really helps us uh, get the word out. And so thank you for the way that you have followed and joined our social media presence. And speaking of social media, social media, uh, Laura, you tell us a little bit about now where they can find us on another platform. Okay, so we have been on Facebook for a while. But of course, always, we're going to direct you to our website too, which is where we land.org. But also, um, so Aaron and I have gotten our acts together. And we're on Instagram. You're much more have your act together on Instagram than I do. He's not lying. I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm working. I'm taking. I'm realizing that it's so do- like Instagram feels like a so different world. Well, that might uh, be why Stephen is boycotting it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not like full on boycotting it. It's just like you don't have an account. You I'm holding out. It. I'm holding out. I actually have. Oh, you've created one. It's Three an accounts. old one, right? Okay. They're just all dormant. <laughs> yeah. So if you find him there, it's it's not for so real. So what happened was like. I created one and then you know how like you go through like life changes and new groups of friends and like it's like do I like get rid of them off my Instagram or do I just start a new one so I don't have to like unfollow them you know so I just pulled the coward's <laughs> card so much nicer than I me. just pulled the coward's <laughs> card and I started a new one plus my first original Instagram handle was like really lame and but I wanted to like, change your handle without having to create a new account <sighs> Have you always been able to do that? <laughs> I don't know, but I I think there's I a limit that. to how many, how often you can okay. change it. Okay, can you really? Yeah, okay. I think okay. so. I or like they pause you. I remember that there was a reason why I didn't. And I was just like, oh, okay, well, I'll just create a new account. So I do have them. They're just all dormant. And I don't feel like raising them from the dead. So that being said, Aaron's is, Aaron, what is yours? Aaron, double underscore Mansfield. And mine is Laura, double underscore Vaughn. But of course, Vaughn is spelled strange. So it's V-A-U-G-H. A-N. I've never thought that strange, but I guess really? it may just be because I've known Stephen so what, long. If I you get, think you know that after everybody spells it wrong, like forever yeah, and ever. You notice it. Yeah. I tell you what, if I get one, I will let our listeners know the moment I get one, okay? I feel like you need to join the double underscore tag right now because like, I, mean, you know, I, can. I have one, Laura has one. Yeah. I might resurrect my other one from the dead and just, I, I don't know. There's like, you know, like the, you know what I mean? Like when I say incriminating photos, like they're not like bad, what? but you just look like an idiot in them. Have you, you know what I mean by that? Like, well, have you ever taken a photo like where it's nothing bad? Like there's nothing wrong with the photo. There's, you're not doing anything wrong. It's just, you look like a complete moron in the photo. And there's a few photos like that, that I don't really want leaking out on the internet. So uh, uh, <laughs> interesting, but they're already on the internet because they're yeah. on Instagram. Well, they're, they're, hidden. To, they're, yeah, hidden. they're hidden right now. They're hidden. <laughs> so hopefully Stephen will join the uh, Instagram group, but uh, there is a Where We Land Instagram account yeah. uh, that you'll find and be able to see when new episodes are released every Friday. And we also want to say so much how grateful we are for those of you that have taken the time to rate and review us on, on Apple Podcasts. 
Um, that is so much more helpful than you know, because with the way that ratings are and viewership and being able to just get the podcast out to more people, uh, when you rate and review a podcast on Apple Podcast. Uh, it really goes a long way. And so uh, we just want to thank you for those of you who have already done that. And if you have not done that yet, but you're listening to where we land and you enjoy uh, the content that we put out, we'd encourage you to uh, go to Apple Podcasts and do that. That would be uh, a real help for us. Well, today we're talking about life and direction. And so with that being the case, Laura, why don't you give us a little direction on where we're headed for today and what people can expect? So we're going to have a discussion today about how God leads and guides his children. That's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of words. And I think if people grew up in a church context, um, they're probably familiar with a lot of words um, that sometimes get thrown around. But I think a lot of times we maybe sometimes don't even know what they mean or maybe use them in correct content. So, you know, we'll say things like, well, I was enabled to do this or God called me to do this or this is my assignment or this or, is my I purpose. I felt led to do this. Or, or yeah, yeah, I felt led to do this. God and, told me to do this. Yeah, yeah. I've That's heard a that. classic one. I've heard that. Yeah. And so the list goes on and on, you know, and I think um, before long, I wonder if people really know why they say that. If if I think if people were to talk about what do they mean by that, Oftentimes, there's a lot of different meanings that Mm -hmm. go into each of those words. Mm -hmm. So when we think about finding direction for life, where is it that we begin? I mean, what is our understanding from the Bible, uh, maybe a real foundational understanding about direction? Well, I think that it begins right in the very first pages of the Bible with the idea that God is a God who communicates. He's a God who speaks to his people. Um, I mean, you think of in, just in the fact of how he created the heavens and the earth. What did he do? He spoke them into existence. Mm. And then I think of um, in Genesis where he's walking with them in the garden, right? Where he has that relationship, that communication line with them. And so God begins from the very first pages of scripture where he is a communicative God. He is one who is speaking to those who he has created on this earth. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. didn't have to do that. No, he didn't. He didn't. Um, but he chose to. And he created us as uh, communicative beings as well. And we communicate as well. And because we are made in his image. Uh, but that is one. Of, I think that is one of the most foundational things to understand is that God truly does speak. And while today... Um, it might not be as much of the audible variety, right? Uh, depending on what your theology is, uh, but it's not as much of the audible variety as much as the Old Testament where he would speak audibly to the prophets and then they would proclaim. We have his entire word sitting right in front of us. God has spoken to us. So whether you ever um, quote unquote uh, the cliche, hear the voice of God, you know, <laughs> um, you have the voice of God because he's spoken to you in his word. God does speak. Which is so foundational when we begin to talk about this topic today of finding direction in life. We have to start with that bedrock that God speaks. I mean, the book of Genesis confirms that. And then I think the Bible is very clear as you look at different passages of scripture that God does have a plan for each one of our lives. I mean, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And then in Ephesians chapter one, the Bible talks about how God chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him 
in love he predestined us for the adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, notice, according to the purpose of his will. And so, I mean, I think you just look throughout the ages of Scripture and you see God's plan, both in redemption for his people, the way that God guides his people in the Old Testament, the way that they are. return from captivity, uh, from Babylonian captivity, and all of those things, God has a plan for his people all the way leading up to Christ coming mm-hmm. and, and the person of Christ. And and even Jesus, as Jesus entered the scene, he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So, I mean, when you guys just think about the Bible and you think about a lot of different passages of scripture that refer to God's guidance, What are some of those verses that kind of really quickly come to the surface as you think about how God has a plan for each person? Well, looking at, it's so encouraging because you see God speaking to his people throughout the entirety of scripture. He's a communicative God. He's an involved God, which makes him different from, say, the agnostics view of God, where Mm. they believe that the earth was, uh, God created the earth and then just kind of left us on our own. And we see the Bible saying the complete opposite of that, that Mm. not only did he give us his written word, but he's just communicative and involved in our everyday lives. And you see that all over the pages of scripture. And in Psalm 25, 9, for example, it says, he leads the humble in what is right and he teaches the humble his way. In Psalm 32, 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Mm-hmm. And then there's there's others in the Old Testament, but the New Testament in Romans 8, 14 also says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So we see clearly that not only is he involved in our lives, he continues to lead us and guide us throughout mm-hmm. our journey here. Yeah, and I think those two understandings of life that God speaks and that God has a plan for each person. Those things should frame our discussion today uh, as we're talking about calling and assignment. So, you know, the question I think is very clearly as we look at scripture, not does God guide us? Uh, I think the scripture would, as you uh, referenced, Laura, it speaks to that in a number of different places. I think that probably the question that a lot of this kind of breaks down is then the question, not does God guide us, but how does God guide us? Uh, and, you know, when we think about the guidance of God, I just think there are so many hangups and pitfalls when it comes to this discussion of how people understand God's direction for their life. Yeah. So um, I think a great place to start then is not necessarily just how does God guide, but I think we start with that question by answering how does God not guide um, this idea of what are the misunderstandings of God's guidance? Because, you know, in the church world, we have all these words and uh, we use all these different ideas of, well, I'm called. I have a purpose, you know, and God's given me an assignment and uh, I've been enabled by God to do this. And not to say that those words are not all biblical or that they don't have a place. I think they do. But I think a lot of times we just use words because we've heard them. And sometimes we don't always know what they mean. And um, for instance, you might hear somebody say, well, you know, I'm called to be a forestry service agent. Okay. Well, that's great. You know, like how do you know though, that you were called to do that specific thing? Like, what does that mean for you? Like, did God show up in a vision and tell you, you need to be a forestry service agent? Did he speak to you from one of his, the verses in his scripture? Like, how do you know that you might have somebody who says, well, I'm called to missions. Okay. Well, how do you know that? Like, what is this that, you know? So I think first of all, as we look at these wrong understandings of God's guidance or these misunderstandings, I think you have to ask the question, what is God's will Mm -hmm. and 
is there misunderstandings about God's will in the modern church? What do you guys think? Oh, I think certainly. I think we're living in a day today, specifically in the Western world, where so many books and studies are written on. I mean, that is the question that I think every person really truly wants to answer. I mean, it is one of those existential questions of life, not 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 necessarily our identity as much as, well, what is my purpose in life and what am I here for? And so I think with that big question comes a lot of volumes of works and discussions. And, you know, I think so much of it sometimes is framed by a person's experience. And so everybody has had a different experience. And so I think sometimes they communicate solely based off of their experience of what they've had. And and sometimes that's not as helpful because two people don't have the same experience, you know? And I think one of the biggest misunderstandings today of how God guides us is the whole notion that God's will is an itinerary, you know? And if we view God's will as an itinerary, something that we have to find and something that which we have to keep ourselves in place at every stage of our life. The tremendous problem with that is that it is really easy to get off track. And I, and when, when I think about this, I often talk about um, kind of the illustration of, you know, missing a plane flight, you know, and when you think about having a number of different destinations of each leg of the trip and you have to be at each place at a certain time and at a, you know, at just the right time so that you don't miss your plane, you know, and the the problem is if you miss the plane, then what happens? You're stuck. You're completely stuck and you end up frustrated and you end up feeling like you have to settle for second best and I can't take the best flight. So I got to take the second best flight and it's not always where I want to go and it's not always how it, you know, best accommodates into my schedule and whatever it is. And so that whole idea, I think, is embraced by a lot of people when it comes to God's will. First, they view God's will as something impossible to find, and that when we find it, then we have to figure out how we're to keep ourselves in place of that at every stage of our life. And, you know, the, the thing is, like, when you look at Scripture and you consider the passages that talk about, you know, God's direction, that concept's taught nowhere in Scripture mm-hmm. that I'm aware of. Yeah, I, I don't know of anywhere <laughs> it is. In fact, when you see the idea of God's will being taught, generally it is specific commands that he would have you enact in order to bring the kingdom of God certainly to, to here on earth in our lives. There are so many passages of Scripture, so many passages that say this is the will of God. And then it gives a command. And it gives a, it, it lays <laughs> it out there it's, it's like not that you had to figure that out it was clearly spelled out this is the will of god for you mm-hmm. but for those things that aren't clearly laid out in scripture people are wondering they they get this this leads to a lot of anxiety for a lot of people sure. and by a lot of people i mean it has been anxiety yeah. for me yeah. <laughs> in my past I, but i really think that what led me to a place of anxiety and trying to find god's will is the is a really not just a misconception about what god's will is or understanding how he works but a misconception of who he is because really, this is an outflow of what we think God is like. I mean, yes. do you agree? Yeah, I would completely I think agree so. with that. Because I think if we view God as you know less powerful, then we end up putting ourselves in his place and saying, well, then if something's going to happen in life, it's going to be me and I'm going to be the one that's going to accomplish it. Or, and and, it, or if I miss it, it's all my fault. It's all my fault. Well, yeah, right. And if you, if you look at that too, it puts a lot of the onus on like, 
making me feel better, you know, or me feeling better about myself. Cause this is really common today in like the modern Christian dating scene with like the one mentality. I have to find the one. What does that even mean? (laughs) Like, does that mean that if you make one wrong decision, for instance, in my life, if I had made one decision to not attend a college halfway across the country and I never would have met my wife, that I would never have met the one that God had for me? Like, that's just... No pressure. That's like (laughs) anti-biblical. And it's not saying that I'm not glad that I went there and I met the woman who I'm married to because I absolutely fantastically am and she's the best thing that could have happened to me. However... Like the whole idea that if there's only one person in this entire world that I have to find out of seven point however million billion people, or if it's even above that now, that's a little stressful, okay? <laughs> and even if I bring it down to like people who are claimed to be Christian and people who I might be able to like get along with, we're still talking about hundreds and hundreds of millions of people that I have to find the one with. And it's like, that's just not, God is not a God of confusion. He literally says that in his word. And so thus, why would he put something so confusing onto us trying to find out his next next step in the itinerary if that's not even how he, if he says in scripture, that's not even who I am. Well, and I think partly the reason why we feel that way is because not only have we misunderstood God's will, but we have misunderstood God's ways, how he accomplishes his will in the lives of people. And I think even much more so than simply what is the will of God, because I think the scripture is very clear in how it spells out certain things where it says, this is the will of God, your sanctification, right? Our salvation. There are numbers of things in the Bible that are clearly spelled out to be the will of God. But I think it's going to your point, Laura, it's it's the things that the Bible doesn't necessarily say Uh, straightforwardly, that those are the ones that we begin to have question about. And then we question how God will communicate his will in those things. I think that's where you see a lot of this there, there, this is where I feel like there's so much misunderstanding. You know, we think about um, things like a fleece or Uh, leaving things to chance or relying simply on people's opinions. And so, I mean, can we just talk about each one of those for just a moment? Like, Let's talk about the first one because, like, <laughs> the fleece to me is just like a classic. Because, um, and by the way, listeners, yes, I'm guilty of this. When I was in high school, I pulled the old fleece card. Okay, so um, wait, did you literally do this? No, well, okay. like with a well, real fleece. No comment. <laughs> well, no, you gotta <laughs> tell the story. High? Was no it comment. Steven? No comment. <laughs> no, no, no. You gotta tell us um, now. You, you've you've opened up. No comment. I, I might or might not have tried it with a piece of fabric. Okay. Okay. But no comment. So how'd it go? But it d- didn't go well. <laughs> because guess what? Um, that was actually in context with the story of Gideon. That was actually a terrible time for Gideon. And it was actually a reflection on a lack of faith in his life to take God at his word. So he actually wanted to test God. And so he set out a fleece and God in his grace and mercy went above and beyond what he had to do to communicate to Gideon. Sure. So actually, when we say, I'm going to set out a fleece, what we're saying is, I'm going to take a sinful example of somebody in the Old Testament, and I'm going to mimic it, and then maybe God will just give me as much grace and mercy. And what we're doing is we're, we're saying, I'm going to take a terrible example, and then that's how I'm going to seek God's will. And it right. just doesn't work like well, that. Because look at the story of Gideon, and he constantly is doubting God mm-hmm. and testing God. And then you keep reading the story after the fleece. Well, God starts testing him 
him, mm-hmm. right? And you see him whittling his army down uh, smaller and smaller, and you know everybody get, gets all wrapped up in what's happening there. Well, well, God's testing Gideon. You know, he uh, it, it, was, it was almost you know turning the table around for just a moment. So yeah, I, I think you're right, Stephen. I think that's not a good example. It's it's taken out of context so often. Um, I think what it is is a lot of people trying to leave things up to chance, and mm-hmm. I think it comes down to this. In my understanding, it comes down to people feel like they're plagued by an inability to make a decision. And so rather than make a decision and walk in wisdom, uh, we would rather leave something up to chance so we're not responsible for the decision we made. And I think you hit on it there, walking in wisdom, um, which, by the way, if you look in Scripture, that is one of the things that is God's will for your life as a Christian is to walk in wisdom. But I think you're exactly right. It's this this idea where like I have to make the correct decision. So we stress out about everything. Like what if I buy this car? Okay. Well, what if you do buy the car? Did God give you the money to buy the car, the need to buy the car? Like, is there a reason that that's happening? Is it violate any law in scripture? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like God has given us ability to walk in wisdom in these things. And it's not saying that like, Like if you are maybe the type of person and you're listening and you would pray over that decision, that's not saying that that's a bad thing. We're supposed to be in prayer over everything. So sure, ask God for wisdom. But at the end of the day, God has given us an ability to walk in wisdom wisdom and be discerning. And so why would we be so stressed out about everything when God has given us this ability to logically look at where we're at and what we're doing Mm -hmm. and to compare it with his word and then to move forward with a decision? And we don't have to be stressed out that, oh man, we, we're, we're off, off the will of God now and his ways and he's going to punish us. That's not, that's not who is, who he is. That's not how he works. And that's not how he speaks. In, well, there's in also, well, and I was sitting here thinking about different scriptures um, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I cannot think of any particular scripture that tells us to seek after the answers to these things. So, mm. but we are told to seek God, mm-hmm. to learn about him um, and our view of God is really what's so important in these. And I think that that's been where the pitfall has been for me in my life is trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do next, um, figure out some financial decision, figure out it could be a job situation or like, where do I send my kids to school or what do I do with this? But I get wrapped up in those decisions and the stress associated with those decisions rather than I'm really supposed to be focusing on my relationship with God and learning who he is. And I think that the leading and guidance for a believer flows naturally out of our relationship with him personally. That's good. No, that's good. Because in what part of all of this do you feel like people allow their emotions to play into how God guides us? Oh, man, I would, I I mean, just speaking from personal experience, I can't speak for every single one of our listeners, but I know for personal experience, more oftentimes than not, especially like going back towards college age area and um, even early on, I think, Um, as just maybe a few years ago, I think emotions would have played a huge part in any decision I would have made uh, according to the will of God. Cause it's this idea of, if it feels right, then it's right. If it feels right, you know? And it's like, well, that's not what God's word says. God's word says, seek out counsel, um, look and compare it to scripture. Um, like, filter through your like what you want to do with scripture and if it violates it then you know it's not the will of god like pray about it sure but at the end of the day you're not waiting on some feeling what you're doing is you're moving forward in wisdom and yeah. discernment that god provides to you yeah and i think sometimes too as we walk forward in faith uh looking to the lord and his wisdom in our life 
that often finds itself in conflict with the fears that we would have. You know, you think about all the things in the Old Testament and stories of God calling people out. Think about uh, Abraham. I think about Moses. In the middle of knowing what God was calling them to do and the assignment, they were filled with fear and this emotion of, of the inability to feel like they could follow through with it. But once again, it's like what you're saying, Laura, God doesn't want us to live crippled by our emotions. He wants to be guided by himself, like through a relationship with him and by his wisdom. And so why don't we just kind of segue here a minute? And, you know, we've kind of laid a little foundation as we approach the topic that um, I think an understanding of God's guidance is much broader than sometimes people pigeonhole it to be. So as we think about that, let's ta- let's talk a little bit about God's calling. You know, what is the call of God and what does that entail? Well, with a couple of exceptions, and I'm sure you, we'll talk about those, but with a couple of exceptions, the word calling used in the New Testament is in reference to our calling to salvation, our summoning to Christ. He has literally called us hmm. to himself. And um the Greek word for that just has to do, like I said, with summoning. So we're called to him hmm. in salvation. Hmm. Um, again, though, but there is there is another way that it's used um, in Acts 13 to Paul. It was Paul and Barnabas, Paul right? And Barnabas. They're set apart for the ministry yeah. to the work that God had called them to. Yeah. Um, but that word also is a work that they're summoned to. So God, God can call us to a task as well. So we're called to himself, but we can also be called to an assignment or to a task. And for me, and you guys will probably have some different ways of looking at this, and I think it'd be a really good discussion. Um, I believe first and foremost that we're called to Christ. He's my only for sure lifelong calling. That is to be a disciple of Christ. Mm. Um, But God can also summon and guide me to a specific assignment. Mm. And those assignments may come and go throughout my life, but my calling is to Christ. That's really good. Yeah. That's really good. And the the thing is here, it's understanding that God-given calling shouldn't change. Um, and especially in the sense of like, <laughs> if we're talking about salvation, uh, comparing right. scripture with scripture, um, the call to be a Christian, the call to follow after God, the call to be a disciple, however you want to um, slice it there. That is something that does not change um, because that is constant. God has called me to follow after him. God called his disciple Jesus, when he was on the earth, he called his disciples, follow after me, and they did. And it was a lifelong calling that they never gave right. up. Um, however, I love what you brought out. There are things in life that can change, and that's okay. And I think sometimes we feel very, very um, confused because if I'm called by God to be a forestry agent that's what we had the illustration i used earlier if i'm called by god to do that then does that change like does that mean that i have to do that until the day i die if that's god's calling on my life um or could that be an assignment that god gives me based on maybe the abilities passions and desires that i have um that um he's created me for and that i'm able to do and do for his glory um but ultimately i'm called to glorify God with my life. And I'm called to do for good works as well. I mean, I think of Ephesians 2.10, like we were created um, for for good works, right? Uh, right? We are workmanships of Jesus Christ. Which is, and we're which created is, for good works. Yeah, which is wrapped up in that call to salvation. Mm-hmm. So let's take a little bit and unpack what that call to salvation looks like. I know we could go to like places like 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, where Paul does this. And um, there's other places. I know in Romans, Romans chapter eight, 
uh, he talks about uh, being predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, right? So he's he's talking about this call to salvation and what that entails. And um, and so this is the will of God. I mean, the Bible's clear that God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to really this knowledge of him, this call to right. salvation. Like that is God's will. And to be brought into fellowship with his son, to experience uh, his holiness at work through them. And like what you referenced there in Ephesians chapter two, uh, these good works. So let's just take a moment and unpack what is what are those good works that God has called us to in salvation? Well, I mean, I think of context in Ephesians. Um, he lists good works throughout the entire book. I mean, I think of the idea of edifying one another, the idea of uh, as we minister to one another in the church, we're uplifting one another. And then I think of over in, I think it's Ephesians 5, he talks uh, through um, redeeming the time, singing psalms to one another, walking circumspectly. I mean, all through the book of Ephesians, he gives examples of these good works. Mm-hmm. And basically, the understanding is the good works are the commands and the will of God that God has enabled us as Christians to do. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not saying that uh, people who are not Christians never do and quote unquote things that just aren't evil. That's not what we're saying. We're not getting after that. What we're saying though, is there is a description of a life in scripture that is fulfilling God's mission as a Christian. And that is producing fruit, what we would call it, or good works, things that God has commanded us to do as Christians. And we're doing them and we're doing them for his glory. Right. Right. So, you know, as we think about that, you know, I think this just leads into the understanding then again of like God's guidance. What is God's will? Because, um, God gets blamed for an awful lot of stuff. He you does. Know? <laughs> I think that, you know, people say I did this because it was God's will or I didn't do that because it wasn't God's will. And it's like, man, I think God gets blamed for a lot of things that really aren't attributed to him. But uh, the one that should be always attributed to him first and foremost is the call to salvation, the call that will be born again. Uh, you know, second Peter, I referenced that a little bit ago, you know, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance First Timothy, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. So a person who follows that and comes to know Christ and in that moment of surrender, they are filled with the Spirit of God. And we're told also that that is one of those things that God's will is. I mean, you know, um, to understand he tells us in ephesians understand what the will of the lord is and when he's talking about that he's talking about what it means to be spirit filled so you know both of those things there uh, in salvation are um are a part of it you know god's god's called us to salvation he's called us to be spirit filled um he's called us to purity i mean we find that in in first thessalonians go read chapter four verses three through seven and he's and Paul clearly says, this is the will of God. What is it? Well, your sanctification. He's mm-hmm. he's called you to be set apart and to live a life uh, that pleases him and, and is a reflection of him. And so there's a number of things that as a Christian we're to abstain from. And that's clearly God's will. I mean, that's what just baffles me today is when, you know, people will point to certain immoral things and say that God led them to that person or God allowed that. And it's like, no, 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 no. You are completely misrepresenting uh, who God is in his word, because that's not clearly at all what the Bible teaches. God never leads anyone to sin. No, certainly not. Not ever. Certainly not. So, I mean, some of those things are God's will. And I think even some of what we experience is suffering. 
uh, is the will of God. Um, It's taught in Philippians chapter one. Paul talks about it in his imprisonment. He talks about it to Timothy in chapter three. Um, But I think there comes a point where we look at Scripture and we follow the commands that are clearly given to us in Scripture regarding the will of God, regarding His call. This, This is what He has called us to. This is the life that He has called us to. And when a person is walking in obedience of those things, I think that's where Psalm 37, 4 really kicks into gear. And that is the verse that says, delight also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And we're told a number of different places about how God guides us like a good shepherd, that his word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. And so, you know, there is this true understanding that God's called us into a relationship with himself. I think about Psalm 143, verse 10, teach me to do thy will, O Lord. But it doesn't. It 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 tells me that that I'm to do something, but it comes through knowing Him, right? Right. So as we kind of like take the call of God of what He's called us to, He's called us to salvation. He's called us to a life in Himself, and and those commands that we see in Scripture. Now let's kind of segue a little bit further and talk about the assignments uh, that people have in life, and and I think there is. Well, I mean, to say this, do you all believe there's a difference between a person's calling? And the assignments that they have. Most definitely. Um, a calling primarily, and we said that there are a couple exceptions there, like obviously, um, I think uh, sometimes when we talk about the call to vocational ministry, right? And we could spend an entire podcast episode on that, so we will not dive into the exceptions. But there are a couple of exceptions, but primarily the calling of God is one to salvation. And in scripture, the majority of evidence for the calling of God is majority to be called to himself. Yeah. To be called to salvation. And so it doesn't mention that they were called to be tent makers, that they were called to be this or that they were called to Jesus Christ. So when they went and did these other things, there has to be another category here of, um, of what a person is doing because they're doing these things and they're glorifying God in them. Mm. So it can't be that those are outside of God's will. There has to be another category here outside of calling. And I think that that's where we can find this term assignment. You might have a different word that you use for it, but basically what we're talking about is the, um, it's what someone will do and how they will work out their calling to Jesus Christ. So how are they going to go and work out that calling now? So some people do it because they are, uh, they have a desire and God's given them maybe a a peace about something, you know, we use that. And I think that that can happen, but they feel at peace about maybe going and being a policeman with their life, or uh, maybe they feel that uh, they look at their life and they look at their training and they say, you know what, I've been set up to become a doctor. And so I'm going to go after that But the primary thing is, as a Christian, you are asking the question, how can I follow my calling in my assignment? How can I glorify God to the best of my ability in that assignment that I have? And And where I'm at and where he's placed me with what he's giving me. Exactly. Because because one thing we're not going to talk about on the podcast today, which I think we might do at a future episode, is talk about really the call into vocational ministry. I know a lot of us sitting around the table, all of us at the table have experienced that call. And I think that is something I think that is additional to the call of salvation uh, in, in, in being assigned to a specific work that God has called someone to. I, I think we see that in Acts 13 with Paul and Barnabas. We see that in first Timothy with Timothy talking about uh, the qualifications for an overseer. So there are certainly places in scripture 
where we see that call to maybe we refer to vocational ministry or a, a true specific assignment to a gospel work. Mm-hmm. But as we think about, I think what you said was so helpful, Stephen, as, as God has called us to himself, how do we work out that calling in the place where we're at? You know, it when Stephen was talking, and I love that, how what our assignment is, is, you know, working out our salvation. And it makes me think of it, not working for our salvation, but working out our calling in, in whatever we're doing. And Ephesians 4 says, I therefore, a, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. And it keeps going and giving examples for how we do that. But when you were talking, Stephen, it made me think of that. Like yeah. you're walking you're walking worthy of your calling, which yeah. was to Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to note too that assignments change. Um, I believe that. Assignments change in life. And I don't think you have to feel guilty when your assignment changes. And I think that there is, because of some misunderstandings with the, cons- the misconceptions of God, his will, his person, and his calling, I think that there's a lot of guilt sometimes when people are, when something changes in their life and they're like, oh, well, you know, like, I think that I I believe that God is leading me in this direction and everything's set up for it. And I'm, I'm gifted and all this stuff. There's openings. I don't think that there has to be as much of a guilt when you're leaving an assignment because assignments change sometimes. Well, and I think you can have guilt, but then you can also have out of that, you can have shame. And I think the shame comes into play when you have wrapped your identity up in your assignment. Mm. Rather I was just going to say that. Than your identity yeah. in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have a real spiritual identity crisis if your assignment suddenly changes. And that's because I think a lot of times Christians would view what they do as a calling and not an assignment. And thus they wrap up their identity in their quote unquote calling. Right. When if I'm called to be a Christian, Mm. that's where my identity is. It's Jesus Christ and my relationship with him and what he's done for me. That's my identity. And if it's anything else, and I would go as far as to say this, and I mean, we're not on the vocational ministry episode, but even if your identity is wrapped up in that and as that, as a calling, that's the wrong place because the primary calling is the calling of God for salvation. It's the calling to be a disciple, the calling to ministry, not vocational ministry, but ministry as a Christian. Mm-hmm. Also, and a I just I just want to say we keep talking about this calling to salvation and maybe you're listening to this and you're not a believer. Maybe you're really confused by all these things that we're saying, but we want you to know that Christ is calling you to himself. Yeah. He yeah. is. And this calling is for you. Christ is available. He's not willing that anyone should perish. Hmm. So I just felt like we should throw that out there. These are a lot Amen, of words, yeah. a lot of Christianese that we're saying. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Probably and more than most episodes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you're confused, please don't feel bad. Our, our confusing Christian lingo, it's just a thing. But instead, it's we would simple. love to God, yeah. God wants a relationship with you uh, and to experience that relationship through his word. And yeah. so, you know, one of the ways that God guides us is scripture. I mean, I think we'll talk about it even a little bit later. But that is very foundational uh, to that calling. We reference God speaking. Well, how has he spoken? He's, he's given us his word. And so as a person is thinking about their life and they're thinking about uh, that they've come to know Christ, they've experienced him, they're walking in obedience with him and those things that are laid out in scripture, how does a person then discern their assignments? Well, that's a great question. Um, I believe, (laughs) I believe that, um, I think you use the acronym shape a lot. 
I love um, that. It's not I, original I, I with like me, it. but yeah. I, I, um, I, I think it's very helpful to take those different things, five of them, yep. uh, spiritual gifts, a person's heart, their ability, their personality, and their experiences. So out of each one of those things, their spiritual gifts. There is so much understanding today in the church around spiritual gifts. I think oftentimes it's viewed as either like, ooh, spiritual gifts, or they're like, what? Spiritual gifts? I have one of those? Like, what are you talking about? And I think it's it's thinking about the way that God made you when he created you as an, as an individual and he filled you with his spirit. If you're a born-again Christian, the spirit of God lives within you, and the Bible teaches that he's clearly given out, he's portioned out uh, to each of his followers gifts and you can read about those things uh find it there in romans chapter 12 i think first corinthians chapter 12 first peter 4 ephesians 4 are all great passages uh, for spiritual gifts so a person's spiritual gift has a way of uh i think it falls in line with their assignments in life yeah and i think i used to think that you know how there's those spiritual gift tests have yeah, we all taken no, those? I've taken one. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not a big fan. Too. I'm I, not either. I really think that, I mean, they can be helpful to some degree, but I've come to see, and maybe you guys will disagree with me, but I think that spiritual gifts are often confirmed. Like They not, change too. They, they, yeah, they're not, they're not, they're not given to you by the local church, but I think they're confirmed by the local church. Like people, yeah. as you serve in your local body of believers, people will look at you and say, oh, I really feel like you're a teacher or you are such an encourager or right. you really have the gift of shepherding hearts. And, you know, mm-hmm. they, those are just a few examples of spiritual gifts. Because it's never for you. Right. Your spiritual gift is always for someone else. Right. Yeah. And I think it's sometimes to build up that, the body. The, those spiritual gift tests can kind of make you internalize more than I you think so. Because I think it puffs us up and, and it makes us look at the list and we're like, oh, look, look at what that. I have. <laughs> I have this. And, and depend- it's like, well, no, you only have that as it's working within the body. Mm-hmm. Right. You do not have that gift for you. Yeah. And depending on which test you take, you you might end up with a spiritual gift that's actually not even a spiritual gift in scripture, right. uh, like the um, gift of sharing your faith or the gift of well, evangelism. Gift of evangelism. Uh, well, it's in scripture. It's commanded of all Christians. It certainly though, to do is. It. Certainly, so it's not I, really necessary. I would argue <laughs> that people do. There are people that have a spiritual sure, gift. Sure, there's that. people who are gifted in it, but yeah. it's a command. And I've met way too many people who are like, I don't have the spiritual gift of it, so I'm not going to do it. Right, well, no, you're right. violating scripture. So right. sorry. Um, yeah, <laughs> you're in sin. So, um, go Stephen share your, is your faith. spiritual gift, mercy. I was going to say, spiritual Stephen, gift I was is just going to say, however, your spiritual gift however, is not mercy, mercy is commanded. And so, this I am trying to grow in it every day, even though it is not my spiritual uh, gift. Yeah. If you if you couldn't tell just a minute ago that Stephen's spiritual gift is not mercy, now, right. you, now you know. So, yeah, spiritual yeah. gifts, spiritual I would gifts are part of that. that. And then I think it's a person's heart. And when I think about their heart, I think about their burden. I think about what they're concerned about. I think it's the things that make them angry, the things that make them thrilled, the things that they're just passionate about. And they, um, man, I think that's what's cool because like, as you're talking to different people in the body of Christ, God's given not only people different spiritual gifts, but they have different hearts and passions. And then God's given people different abilities and skills. And you think about those things of, of how God has equipped you with the experiences in your life. And I also think a person's personality has a part in that and their experiences. And so let's just take a moment. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever done that before. If you've never, like, discerned your shape. Um, I remember teaching this on one Sunday and one person came up to me like, I just wish my shape was a little – I wish I had a different shape, you know. And it's like, but no, that's the way that God shaped you. Like, you right. know, that's the way he's he's made mm-hmm. you. And uh, every person has a, a vital part um, in the body of Christ, not only to build up the body of Christ, but to accomplish 
his works of ministry and mission and uh, to see those things, you know, played out in, in life. So let me ask you guys this question, and maybe we talk through through this with our own experiences. How how do assignments come to people? Are, are assignments things that people say, wow, this is exactly what I want. I'm going after this, and I'm going to pursue it with all my heart. Or 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 are assignments things that come to us that that God places in our path and that we step into? I mean, is it do do I make my assignments? Do I choose them? Do they come to me? I mean, how does a person, you know, wrestle through all that? Yes, that's what I was. Yeah, <laughs> I would yes. I would argue yes because I believe if you look in Scripture, you'll see where God does truly lead people to do assigned things, so to speak, you know, like, um, I just think of, um, I think into like, even the way that he would lead the apostles to different areas, right. And he would lead them to different areas based on maybe a need, um, that's going on in a certain city, right. Or something that's there. And those assignments would be given by God. You need to go to this city and preach to these people, right? Well, okay, that's given. But then other times you see where they show up and then are. they see, oh, there's, there are. there's the other times where they didn't feel called to a specific place. Exactly. They just showed up and God started working Because God has given us discernment and wisdom in his word. And I feel like if we can look at his word and things match up and if we can see a gospel need mm-hmm. um, and we have the ability why would we not step into that role if those things line up, you know, like that just doesn't make sense. Right. So I think assignments can be given, but I think assignments can be followed after as well. Hmm. Um, as long as obviously, yes, they need to be in accordance with the will, the word of God. That's good. Laura, what would you add to that? I mean, I agree with Stephen. I think that God has God has given us, like you talked about earlier, Aaron, there's a lot of clear mandates in Scripture that we as believers are supposed to follow. But outside of that, I really do believe a lot of times we have choices. Right. We have – God has made us humans with a free will. Um, and we have the choice whether or not we're going to walk through a certain door sometimes. Right. And I think sometimes when people are not walking in those clearly mandated things in Scripture – then they find themselves real frustrated as to why they feel like they don't have any peace in life and why they feel like the direction that they're pursuing is not being blessed. And I would just come back and say, hey, look, if you're not following what God has already called you to, then why would you ever expect for him to give you his specific wisdom regarding something else? Right. You know, and um, it really I does all come back to our relationship with him. Yeah, it, it certainly does. And I cannot remember for the life of me who wrote this article or where I even found it. And I wish I could for the podcast, I would give credit for it. You might be able to search it and find it. And if I can find it, I'll try and uh, put it in the show notes. But um, a, a number of it was probably about a year ago now, maybe two years ago, I was reading some articles and um, just having a real time in my own life of working through some of these own things practically. And um, I read this one article and and basically um, the person who wrote it talked about four big ways that assignments come to us. And I thought these were so helpful because it just really brought clarity to thinking about my shape, right? The shape that God's given me and how do I, you know, see that uh, playing out and where I'm at. And he referenced four different types of things. He says, sometimes assignments relate to our own unique giftedness. And I thought, man, that's good because, you know, sometimes God gifts people in a really specific way and they're just simply fulfilling uh, the gifting that God's given them. Sometimes our assignments respond to gospel opportunities. So it's like what you referenced, Stephen, with the apostles. There is truly a gospel opportunity that God places across your path 
And that then becomes your assignment. Um, I have found in my life that most often our assignments fulfill our, our burdens and our concerns. And so things that we are very much uh, burdened for or concerned about, uh, God has a way of placing those opportunities in our path or even having us pursue some of those things. And then the last thing was sometimes our assignments, he said, come to us organizationally. And I know I've experienced that in the church where we're at and where I'm serving. And actually, I know Stephen's done that as well, that, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes within an organization, the direction of an organization shifts. And in that also comes assignment shifts for other people organizationally. And in those moments, you know, that's God's will. And so um, I think it's walking in obedience to all of those things and just being sensitive to the way that God um has 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 equipped us i i think a lot of christians really don't think much about those things right you know because here's here's i'll just be honest like where i feel like most often the rubber hits the road for the christian in their walk with christ is they get saved they want to get involved in church and instantly they just look at only the ministries or the mission opportunities where their local church is involved. And the the attitude oftentimes is, hey, get plugged in and serve and get involved in the body of Christ. And that's all good. And I think that's important. But if a person doesn't stop and consider their assignment before they stop and just start volunteering for a bunch of things, I think a person can volunteer in a number of different capacities, but none of those things might necessarily be their assignment. And that doesn't mean it's wrong. I mean, I think it's great uh, to get a person serving in music and volunteering in a children's program and volunteering all those things. That's great. But but I think too, God has also given you an assignment, like a a personal ministry that is... um, Something that God has called you to minister both in the body of Christ and a mission outside of the church to reach people for Christ. Yeah, or a couple. Um, But I would agree with you. I think one of the ways of also looking at what is my assignment is um, asking the question of, am I miserable doing this? You know, (laughs) And if you're miserable, it's probably not your assignment. Um, Sometimes God can give us things. There there is some slight exceptions to that rule where God can give us things to do to grow us that we are not we are not a big fan of, but like as a general, but principle. as a whole, if you're miserable doing something, um, it's probably not great. Like I tell our youth leaders every year before they re up, Hey, if you don't have a heart for teens and if like, if you can't love the middle school guy, um, who's like just being crazy all the time, you probably shouldn't be in youth ministry anymore. Like it's probably okay. time to move on and it's completely fine. Go find your assignment. Uh-huh. And, um, and so I think I think that that's another way of thinking through it because I would completely agree with you. Um, assignments change, and trying to find one that I mean, you should be getting joy from ministering. If sure. you're not getting joy from serving Jesus, there's something wrong either in your heart or with what you're doing. And um, God wants you to be joy filled, and every moment might not be a dance or happy, <laughs> but He wants you to be joy filled. What else, Laura? What would you add to that? Um. I would say that sometimes, I don't know if you guys are like this, but sometimes it's easy for me to be overzealous and trying to find something to do and plug into the church. They end up doing too many things and then not doing any of them well. (laughs) So I think this is really important when it comes to that, you know, to look at like what you talked about with your shape, your spiritual gifts, your heart, your ability, your personality, your experiences, and try to find a place that as you're walking with the Lord and seeking his will, um, that you fit. Right. The, the way he's created you and the desires and burdens he's given you fit. Right. And do that thing. If you can only do one thing well, do that one thing. Exactly. You don't have to do 10 things. Do right. one thing. And some of the best advice I ever got on this kind of a thing was actually from 
my father-in-law. And he told me, he said, don't ignore the desires of your heart. And what he meant was, you know, when we're walking with Christ and we're seeking after him, he is putting those desires in our heart. And the right. burdens that you have naturally through him and your relationship with him, they matter. Mm-hmm. That's good. And they can direct you a lot more than you think mm-hmm. and make it a lot easier for you. Mm-hmm. I would agree with all of that. And I think as we just kind of wrap up the, the discussion today, I would leave you with a uh, story that I came across from F.B. Meyer. Uh, I read this a, a number of months back, and it really spoke to me on just a real simple understanding of God's guidance in our life. Uh, F.B. Meyer talks about how he was standing on a boat bridge of a steamer that was heading to Belfast. And it was dark. It was at nighttime when the ship would be docking uh, there and I think the harbor. And uh, there was a point at which that ship was going to have to take a 90 degree turn um, there uh, into that harbor at Belfast. And uh, F.B. Meyer spoke to the ship captain and he was like, hey, it's dark at night. It's so hard you know, to see how in the world do you know when to make that sharp left hand turn? And um, the, the captain was like, hey, it's really easy. There's just three lights. Uh, there's a light there on the shore, and he pointed to the lighthouse. And then there was a light further up the, the, the waterway on, on a buoy. And he says, there's that light. And I can't remember the third light. It was some light on land. And he basically just told F.B. Meyer, he says, now you just go straight forward. And when all three of those lights line up, it's time to turn the boat. And, um, and, and F.B. Meyer ended up taking that and turning it into an illustration. And he talked about the light of scripture, that scripture is a light and, uh, clearly is, you know, uh, the Bible is a, a light to our path. And so, uh, the light of scripture, he referred to secondly, the light of inward desire. And I would, I would refer to that as the promptings of the Holy spirit, right? So God's word is uh, clearly showing that the spirit of God is, is prompting us to do that. And thirdly is the light of circumstance. There's an opportunity. You're seizing an opportunity. You're pursuing an opportunity that God has in front of you. And when all three of those lights line up, he says, you can be certain that God is leading you. And I, I have taken that and I have thought back at, you know, just the, Uh, things from my own life and moments where I know that my assignment had changed. And it's interesting to think about how all three of those things truly were in line, the word of God, the desires of my heart, the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and and the light of circumstances. So, hey, we just hope today that this discussion has been helpful for you as you've considered both your calling and the assignments that God has for you in life. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to us here on Where We Land, and we'll see you here next time. Thank you for listening to Where We Land, Christ, Culture, and the Church. Hey, listen, if you've been enjoying the podcast, there's a very simple thing that you can do, and that is simply to rate it, review it, and share it. It's an easy way for us to get the word out and reach more people. Well, listen, thank you again for joining Where We Land, and we'll join you here next time. We'll see you then.